Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star for this next week in our At The Movie series. We've been taking the summer. We started back at Mother's Day. And every week, we'll take a little different movie that you or I may have seen in the theaters and pull a principle and apply it to Scripture. And, and I think you'll be really, uh, it'll be one of those days you leave here today and you're like, yeah, I'm so glad that that I got to uh, hear what the Lord had to say today. So, need you to do me a favor. Go ahead and take out your worship guide. You were given that on the way in. You can use that, or you can pull out the North Star Church app. All right, that app will be our guide as we work along this morning. You can follow through if you go to North Star Church, Georgia, in your app store. That can pull that up. Well, this week we're doing a movie called Wonder. You know, Wonder is one of those movies you may or may not have seen, but the principle behind the movie was there was a young man named Augie that uh, his kindness and others' kindness were game changers in his life. So right at the top of your outline, I want you to write down the word kindness, right? Kindness is an interesting word because we know when we experience it, but we don't always understand how to give it out. Kindness would, let's, say, let's, let's just create a, a framework here. How many would say we live in a world that really isn't kind sometimes. Raise your hand if you feel that way. I feel that way too. You watch the news, you follow social media, you will find our world is funny. We'll get behind a keyboard or we get behind a text and we'll say things or do things we probably wouldn't do if we were doing it to somebody's face. But kindness is, is missing in our world. Kindness is one of those things that when we see it, we know it. Here's what kindness is. It's right there. It's the first little blank on your outline. Kindness is love in action. Kindness is love in action. We see kindness not by what people say. We see kindness by what people do. They may say one thing, but following through on what we say and what they say is where we see kindness lived out. Kindness is, here's what I'll tell you what kindness is. Kindness is refreshing. Kindness is wonderful. When you experience kindness, you always know it because it stands out compared to everything else we face in the world. We know when we've experienced the kindness of someone, when we leave, even though it may have been a hard conversation we're going to talk about, we leave uplifted, not pushed down. And nobody modeled kindness more than Jesus. If you follow Jesus' ministry all throughout the Gospels, well, Mike, Jesus lost it. Jesus always lost it on those who thought they knew. They were the ones delivering judgment to everybody else. So Jesus was very firm with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the religious leaders. But yet you find him in other circumstances, in the worst of circumstances, with people caught in the act of sin, and you find him being kind. You find his love firm, but love. You remember a lady, she was caught in the act of adultery. So this wasn't, this wasn't um, something he'd heard about. It wasn't a rumor. Caught in the act of adultery. And he looked at her after all the people had left their stones laying there. And he said, go and sin no what? More. Don't go sin anymore. God's got a bigger plan for you. In fact, Scripture calls him a friend of sinners. That's what it calls him. Why? Because he was kind. He knew they didn't understand. He knew that they didn't get it. Look at what Titus says. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God 
our Savior appeared. Love is at the core of who he is. First John tells us that. And if love is at the core of who he is, everybody look at me, love should be at the core of who we are. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Would you pray with me? Right where you're seated today, whether it's Compass, True North, out on the patio, watching online, wherever you're at today, would you just take a second and say, God, would you speak to me today? Would you? Would you give him permission to rub off some of the rough edges of, of, of your life? And would you close your prayer time with him today and say, Jesus, I just want to look like you. Would you? Would you just pray that? Jesus, I just want to look like you. Father, you have our attention for these next few minutes. We didn't come because we were looking for somewhere to go this morning. Father, we came today because we want to hear from you, we want to meet with you, and we want to leave more looking like you than when we walked in. So God, do your thing with us. Have your way with us. And Father, that is our prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So help me out real quick. How many of you ever just wake up? And you just decide really early on in the day you don't want to be kind that day. How many of y'all ever do that? You look in the mirror and you're like, the mirror's not kind to me. I'm not going to be kind to anybody else. Y'all ever do that? You know, and I know this based on people's, I'm big into people's personalities, uh, personality inventories. There are some of you that are wired towards kindness. When God created you, he created you with a bent towards kindness. You are kind people. You can't help it. You're trying to be mean to somebody and you come across nice while you're trying to be mean. There's others of you that aren't wired that way, all right? And if you're thinking that wouldn't be me, it's probably you, all right? And so that's, that, that's the crowd. And, 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 but here's what I would tell you for all of us. We're all in a process of looking more like Jesus, whether you're wired that way or not wired that way. God has created you to love and look like Jesus. If you have been called, he has saved you. You've come into a relationship with him. His goal for your life is for you to look like his son. So how in the world can we learn to love and look like Jesus and be kind like Jesus? A couple different principles. Pen, pencil, something to write with. You got your phone to type into. You can thumb it up a little bit for me. Here's, here's how we do it. The number one way we can learn kindness in our lives is to step into their shoes step into their shoes learn to see life the way someone else sees it not the way you see it that comes natural not the way you've lived it that's what you know but when you learn to see life from someone else's perspective it will change you you can't hate someone when you know their story you can't you can try but if you will take long enough to listen to them, to hear from them, you may disagree with them, but you won't hate them. I want you to write a little thought down. Ready? Under number one. We're going to get into our passage. Seek to understand before being understood. Seek to understand before being understood. What would change about our world 
if we would first seek to understand before we all want to be understood. I want you to understand where I'm coming from. But what if I put the same energy into seeking to understand before you knew how to understand me, you got it. And you get, I'm just going to see it from his perspective. For I see life from your perspective. It would change everything. And we live in a world of social media where anybody becomes an expert on social media. How many of y'all are on the Braves bandwagon right now? Jump, raise your hand. You may have, I've always pulled for the Braves. The last three years, you have not been watching them. But anyways, so I'm a big Braves fan too, but I, and I didn't always tune in. But yesterday, so they're going to go for the, they're going to go today for the sweep if they'd have won yesterday. They take the lead three to two. We give up the lead, three to three extra innings. And for whatever reason, Snicker, the manager, didn't use the top two guys out of the bullpen. He saved them yesterday. People lost their minds online last night. They lost, they're cussing, they're yelling, and I, I saw something I never dreamed I would see. Chipper Jones became the voice of, of, of like thinking through things. I'm like, Chipper's telling a guy to back off and quit using such bad language, and I'm thinking, dear God in heaven, you're coming back today, all right? And so Chipper's talking to a guy off the ledge. It's unbelievable. And Chipper's whole thing was, man, you don't know what, you don't know what Snit's thinking. There's a reason, man. In an 162-game schedule, you can't use guys every day. Man, see it from his perspective. Listen to what the author of Hebrews said. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15. I want you to look on the screens with me. Look at the way the author of Hebrews said it. This is so good. He said, for we don't have a high priest. We don't have a high priest. All right, time out. Why did he say that? Well, back during this time, if you had problems or I had problems back during this time, we didn't just go, Lord, I need you. You had to go to the priest, and the priest would intercede on your behalf. But here was the problem. The priest had nothing in common with you, nothing. You didn't shop where they shopped. You didn't go where they went. You didn't do what they did. You weren't going to be standing in line at Krispy Kreme with the priest, all right? That ain't going to be happening. They had their own separate world from you because they tried to sequester them to keep them separate they didn't face the struggles you face they didn't go through what you went through they didn't know what it was like to have kids that didn't pay attention to what their parents told they didn't know they were sequestered so when you went to that high priest they would look at you look at everybody look at me and they would pray on your behalf but they didn't feel anything for what you were feeling. Does that make sense to everybody? They didn't understand. Jesus comes. Jesus goes to the cross and dies for us. Why in the world did God send Jesus here? So he could step into your shoes and my shoes. And when I pray, he can look at me and go, I know what it's like to feel lonely. I know what it's like to have your friends turn on you. I know what it's like not to be understood. I know what it's like to hurt. I know what it's like to feel temptation. I know what it's like to feel pain. He felt all of that. Why did he do that? Everybody look at me. So he could understand you and he could understand me a little bit better. He doesn't sit in heaven and look at you and go, I don't know what you're feeling. Why don't you understand it from my perspective? No, he came to feel it from your perspective. He came to understand it here. 
Listen to what the author said. For we don't have a high priest, high priest who's unable, what's that next word? To what? With your weaknesses. All right? We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize or empathize or feel our weaknesses. How many of y'all have a weakness? Raise your hand. How many of y'all have more than one weakness? How many of y'all have so many weaknesses you should be on a roller coaster? You should keep your hands up the whole time. That's how many I got. I got more weaknesses than I do strengths, right? Our high priest isn't sitting there unable to sympathize with my weaknesses. See, if he was unable to sympathize with my weaknesses, then half of the things I pray for, he would look at me and go, have you lost your mind? Why does that even matter to you? Why are you so worried about this? Why are you so worried about that? You know what? He looks at you and he says, I understand. I live too. That's who you're praying through now. You don't have to come to me to pray for you. Mike, I want to, I, I'm honored to pray for you. Don't, don't, you know, Mike told me he didn't want to pray for me. That's not true. All right, I do want to pray for you, but I don't have to pray for you. You've got the same access to God that I have. We go straight because of what Jesus did. You don't have to go through a priest anymore. Look at what it says. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he was without what? Sin. Not only is he able to understand, he gives great advice because he's done this without sin. He never gave in to that temptation. He never gave in to that weakness. He never gave in to that struggle. He just knows what it feels like. Step into their shoes. Listen, when you step into someone's shoes and you understand it changes you, not just them, it changes you. Remember years ago, I told this story here, but it, it's just so fitting. My son, it was his ninth grade year and he had made the varsity at his school and it was a brand new first year, first year of baseball ever at the school. They're trying to establish a winning tradition, which they've done since, but trying to establish a winning tradition, but they're brand new. Half the team is young, and most of the rest of the kids that made the team transferred in from another school because they'd been cut at another school, so it wasn't like a burgeoning baseball program at that time. It was a lot of, um, you know, what, what is the, the theme? Uh, send us your weak and your weary and your lame, all right? And so that's sort of the kids that showed up for that first year of the baseball program, and we're down at, in Brunswick at our first tournament and we're trying to get a win and it's neck and neck, man, it's tight. I'm a parent, I, my son's playing at the time and I'm in the bleachers watching like, and I'm a parent with opinions. Are any of y'all that way? And so I got opinions about how things ought to be going, all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm sitting up there in the bleachers and I'm sitting by Ann and we're watching the game. Casey's not playing at the moment, but the team's winning. I'm like, we're gonna get the first win of the program down here. This is gonna be awesome. It's the sixth inning. Now, in the bleachers sitting next to me are some of our coaches' wives and myself, and then sitting beside me to my left was the lady. Her husband coached the Glen Academy baseball team. And she had sat down beside us, and I would struck up, a, and my goal in life is to always figure out who we know in common, all right? And so I'm sitting there talking to her, find out where, oh, you know my friend Robert Townsend. Oh, my gosh, I know Robert. And he coached down at Wayne County. And so anyways, we're having this whole, Ann's rolling her eyes going, dear Lord, all right? And so we can't go anywhere. And so we're having this whole conversation going on in the bleachers, and it's tight. And we, we, meaning the kids, me, parents, we want to win this game. Sixth inning, kid comes up to bat. And he strokes it. Home run, boom, over the left field fence. Now, it wasn't like 
the majestic Mike Trout shot, but I mean, it was a, I'll give him credit. It was a, he hit the home run and we're like, golly. And the kid stands in the batter's box, flips his bat down and admires it. Listen, I want to love like Jesus, but you're pushing all my buttons now, right? You're pushing all my buttons. I lean over to Ann and I said, I'm just being honest. Lord knows the conversation. I leaned over and I go, can you get, get over this kid? Look at this kid. Acting like it's the dang World Series. It's February, man. He's acting like it's the World Series. He needs to get a little flyby next time up. He needs to get one, not hit him, but let him know we're in charge, all right? And so this is, this is all happening in the bleachers. So Ann's listening. In her defense, she's listening. The coach's wife from Glen Academy next to me grabs my arm and she said, I'm so happy for that boy. He's running around the bases with a finger in the air and I'm like, ah, it's too much. And so she grabs my arm and she said, his dad died last week and he wanted to hit a home run for his dad. He's living with Coach and I. And Ann looked at me like, get behind me, Satan. You heathen. You dang heathen. Don't speak to me. I felt that tall. You know why? Because when I understood his story, I understood his actions. You ever been there? But boy, we make judgments quick, don't we? We don't even know the whole story. We just make up our mind. I'm telling you, you want to change our society? Step in somebody else's shoes for a little while. Know what it's like to be where they're from. Know what it's like to live how they've lived. Know what it's like to face what they face. Kindness comes from understanding. Point number two, be real and don't pretend. Be real and don't pretend. I want you to write down a little thought, ready to help us remember it. Kindness is not softness. Kindness is not softness. Just because you're kind doesn't mean that you work your way around hard conversations. Kindness is not softness. You will know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth will set you what? But knowing the truth sometimes is hard. I want everybody to look at me. You can be kind and firm. You don't have to be kind and a jerk. It's two different things. You don't have to be kind and get run over. Kindness many times comes with firmness. Some of the toughest conversations you've ever had were some of the best conversations you've ever had. When someone sat you down and they loved you enough to tell you the truth and it hurt. Look at the way the psalmist said it, Psalm 141, let a righteous man strike me it is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. How many of you in the room are parents? Raise your hand. How many of you love your children? Not as many hands went up. It's like, I don't know. They're home for summer. Ask me when school starts. All right. So um, there's a lot of you. You're going to have to have a firm conversation one day with your kids, and they're not going to take it as love. In fact, they'll take it as mean. You don't understand. And when our kids were growing up, we had to have some tough, we called them come to Jesus conversations. Didn't mean I love them. 
but I loved him too much to let him continue to live that way. Or it's throwing a helmet in a dugout. I remember our son now, when he was growing up, had a little temper problem like his papa and, and threw his helmet and threw his bat and walked away from the coaches while they were trying to speak to him. And I made him stand up in front of the team and apologize to all the parents and coaches. He didn't ride home going, Dad, thank you for correcting me. Thank you for loving me. I receive it. All right. We didn't speak probably for days. But it was a conversation that needed to happen. I was in college. You, you, and so there's a couple of our ball players here, and they'll know this about me. I get, I get a little fiery sometimes. And, and back when I played, I struggled balancing that out. I was good enough. Growing up, nobody would ever say anything to me. They'd let me. That's Mike being Mike. So I signed a Division I scholarship, paying most of my tuition, pitching up at Liberty. And, uh, man, I, I carried my old ways with me. I remember it's my freshman year. I had a bad outing, which it's hard to remember which one because there was a lot, of, a lot of them. But anyways, I had a bad outing and I came in the dugout and I did what I had always done. I took a bat, I hit the water cooler, I threw my glove, I pitched a hissy fit down in the corner. Everybody left me to myself. Game's over, I'm packing up my stuff to go back up. And I had one of these loving, firm conversations with my head coach. My head coach happened to play for the New York Yankees from 58 to 66. He won six gold gloves. He'd been in eight all-star games. He was World Series MVP. And when he spoke, you listened. He said, Mike, I need you to hang back for a second. All the guys go to go up the hill to our dorm, and I'll never forget this conversation. He put his arm around me. I just talked to him this week. I reminded, my, reminded me of this conversation. He put his arm around me and he said, Mike, it looks like you have an anger problem. I tell you what, we don't, we don't work like that here. That's not how we play baseball. I don't know if you've done that before or if it's the first time. We don't play that way. So here's what's going to happen. This Friday, we're leaving to go to Washington, D.C. to play George Mason and a couple other teams for the weekend. I want you to stay back in the dorm by yourself and spend some time with the Lord and see if that's who you want to be or if there's somebody else you want to be. He walked off. Tough conversation. Well, that Friday, I got to spend some time with the Lord. The bus pulled out that morning. They were gone all weekend. I was in a, we were all bottom floor of dorm 18. They were all gone for the weekend, but me. And I got to spend some time with the Lord and spend some time with my mother that weekend when she called and said, why are you not on the road trip? We didn't have cell phones. Why are you not on the road trip? Well, coach decided he wanted me to stay back. I'm trying to get out of this thing. And she's like, why did he decide you wanted to stay back? I was like, well, there were room on the bus or line, you know, room on the bus, not real sure. She said, I'll never forget my mama. She said, fiddlesticks. You know that's not true. Why are you staying back? And I told her. She said, I hope you learned your lesson. Truth and love. It's truth. Did it hurt, yes or no? Yes. It was embarrassing. Changed my life. Changed my life. Truth can still be kind. Be real. Don't pretend. Number three, forgive when I'm wronged. Forgive when I'm wronged. 
want you to write a little principle. Now, I try to give you one principle under every point to help you remember. People will hurt you. That's going to happen. People will hurt you. Loving people you love will hurt you. They will let you down. They will come up short. They will fail you. It's going to happen. I will fail you at some point. If you choose to attend here at North Star, I'll let you down somehow. I didn't call you back in time. I didn't return a text in time. I didn't show up in time. Our staff, it's going to happen. Kindness understands I forgive when I'm wrong. Why do I forgive when I'm wrong? Everybody look at me. Because he forgave me when I did wrong. Never not do for someone else what God so willingly did for you. What a hypocrite to go, oh, I can't forgive you, but yet, what in the world did I do that God needed to forgive me of? Who do I think I am that I can't extend forgiveness after all he extended? Well, they've hurt me more than once. All right, time out. Jump out of the sermon real quick. How many of y'all have sinned more than once? Yeah. In fact, I saw Max Lucator this last week. He said, there's a, there's a board where it has the national debt right on it where it keeps up with the national debt and it just keeps getting bigger, they're having to look at adding a bigger board because the debt's so big. And then Max Lucado said, but that's nothing compared to the debt I owe the Lord for how I let him down. I keep going back wanting his forgiveness. I keep going back wanting his help. See, here's why it's so big we make the decision to forgive. When I don't forgive, and I want you to write this down, when I don't forgive, I hold a grudge. I hold a grudge. And here's what happens with grudges. Grudges are only good for a little while. And then they're not grudges anymore. They become bitterness. When I hold a grudge long enough, I will convince myself of why I'm right, and then I'll get bitter. And when I get bitter, it doesn't hurt that relationship with the person who hurt me. It hurts my relationship with everybody else. Bitterness in Scripture, the picture of bitterness in the New Testament is this a stain, and it stains every relationship that we have. Daniel and I'll have people come in for counseling, and you think it's an issue like this, and it really isn't that issue. It was an issue that happened with somebody else years ago, and they're just taking it out on each other. It happens all the time. It's bitterness is a stain. We hold a grudge. Ladies and gentlemen, Christ forgave you. And here's the, here's the kicker. And he didn't have to. He wanted to. Look at the way Paul said it in Ephesians. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, but here's the kicker, forgiving one another as God in Christ, what's the next word? You. Just do what Jesus did for you. Does it get rid of the hurt? Mm -mm. Just keeps you from reliving it over and over and over. Does it get rid of the pain of being let down? No. It just chooses for you to rise above the pain rather than living in the pain. Forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. Kindness and forgiveness lock arm in arm with each other. Because if you do not forgive, you will never be completely kind. You'll be nice to people. Kindness, though, comes from that inner relationship with the Lord. Point number four. Ready? Help people feel valuable. Help people 
feel valuable. I want you to write this thought down, ready? Everyone has value to God. Everybody. Whether you agree or disagree with them, they have value to God. Whether you like or dislike them, they have value to God. Whether you approve or disapprove of how they live, they have value to God. Therefore, if they have value to God, they have value to you. If they have value to God, they have value to us. Mike, does it mean you approve of everybody? Absolutely not. There are things in this world that I feel very strong about. But it doesn't mean that I look at a person and go, yeah, they don't have any value to the Lord. No, they're valuable. Look at the way Jesus said it. Luke, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Not one of them is forgotten by God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. If God valued people, he left you here to continue what he started. So, in this room today, there are some of you that are Christ followers. He's speaking to you. You came to know Christ and he left you here. Why did he leave you here? He left you here to show the world what Jesus looks like. That's why he left you here. To love like he loves. To see people, accept people, love people, and touch people the way that Jesus did. That's why he left you. He didn't leave you here for you. He left you here for him. I have never met somebody that said, that guy was such a jerk to me, it makes me want to know Jesus. I've never met that person, right? God, he was so mean to me, but God just drew me to church. But I have met people that said, I met somebody. They were so kind to me. They were so nice to me. They were so understanding. It made me interested in the church they went to, in the God that they serve. This little boy shows up at the school. I think he got a lot out of it, but I think he meant more to it than he actually got out of it. Watch the screen with me, would you? Kleenex will start coming next Sunday. We'll pass those out. Two Sundays in a row, man, are killing us. Be kind because everybody's fighting a hard battle. It's true, isn't it? If you take long enough, you'll be shocked what you'll find out about people. Had a good friend. He was in the last service. He runs his own company. and He was so frustrated by a guy who wasn't responding to emails. Finally, he reached out one last time. He said, I'm assuming you must be going through something because you're not responding. And the guy sends him back an email this long telling him what he was facing in life. But just this week, he had no idea what I was preaching on this week. They sent it to me. He goes, man, here's what I'm going through. Thanks for understanding. We have a job in this world, and that's to love and look like Jesus. That is our job. That's what we've been called to do. He's going to handle the judgment piece later. While we're here, we are to love. Love our spouses, love our kids, 
You want to heal your marriage? Be nice to each other. Be kind. Change your relationship. You want to heal the racial divide in our country? Start being kind. Treat people the way that you want to be treated. It's amazing. You want to make a mark for Jesus? Love and look like he does. Would you pray with me? Right where you're seated this morning. Would you just let him speak to your heart? Would you? Some of us were thinking about a conversation we had with somebody last week where we weren't kind. I'm thinking of them in my life. I was judgmental and harsh. Maybe it's somebody that you've held a grudge against for a long time. And it's inhibiting you moving forward in your walk with the Lord. Forgive as Christ forgave you. Doesn't mean you let them hurt you again. But when you forgive, you let them off the hook. You leave all that to the Lord. thank him for how he forgave you? Would you thank him for how he loves you? Would you thank him that you, he thinks you're valuable? And would you tell him, Jesus, I just want to look like you. Would you tell him that today?